In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We are always at this cathedral thinking of new ways that we can reach out to those who are lonely or lost, who would be blessed by our community, who would be touched by God's love. The staff and I noticed that the Jaguars are playing an awful lot of home games around 1 o'clock in the afternoon this fall. So Nancy, the head of our communications team, came up with a brilliant idea. Let's get a big banner that says something about the Jaguars games. Oh, I thought, that's great. People will drive by. They'll see us praying for the Jaguars. (laughs) But then we started trying to come up with some kind of a banner. What would it say? Hmm. Pray here plus game equals win? No. We couldn't quite come up with the right wording because praying for the Jags is great, but we couldn't guarantee that that would mean they won. So we ended up with the simple banner that will say, Go Jags! About Gosh, 25 years ago, I came to this cathedral, you know, as an intern after only finishing one year of seminary at Yale. I preached my very first sermon in this pulpit. And I'll never forget one Sunday afternoon, I turned on the TV after coming home from church, and First Baptist was really huge back then. Many of you remember those days. They kind of dominated everything downtown. So I turned on the TV, and the pastor of First Baptist Church was preaching to this huge congregation. It was like a stadium. I'll never forget what he said, because it sounded so bizarre to me at the time. He said, I'm a Gators fan. And half of the congregation went, and half of them went, and then he said, but if the Gators lose three in a row, I just might become a Seminole fan, and the other half of the congregation go, and the other half goes, you know, I'm here from Connecticut, so I'm trying to figure all this out, and then the pastor said, because I like a winner, my Jesus, he's a winner, My Jesus, he's an all-American. And I remember saying out loud, that's weird. I thought he was a Jew from Palestine. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, football is awesome. But it's a human thing. And sometimes... We try to understand God using human things. Take, for example, Job. Job thought that if he said his prayers and did everything right, he would win. He would get 
resources and his family would be happy and all would be good. He would be successful at life. Well, that doesn't happen. Job ends up with all of his family dead, all of his belongings gone, sitting in the dirt with sores on himself and saying to God, this is not fair. I did everything right and I was supposed to win. What is going on? And God says in the reading that Angela read so beautifully, you just don't get it, do you? You don't understand me. You're thinking like people think with winners and losers. That's not the way God works. I like to think of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. I like to picture them like football players. They must have been really strong, really ripped. Think about it. Their father, Zebedee, was not only a fisherman, but he had lots of boats and lots of men working for him. And those men, including his sons, James and John, would have thrown out these pretty heavy nets and they would catch fish and then they would haul the nets in using all their muscles and lift those nets full of fish back into the boat. So these guys were strong. And I know from raising boys that competition is natural. I could just picture James and John probably have been arm wrestling all their lives, right? They wanted to be stronger than each other, the better one, who got the most fish that hauled it in. And so it was really just part of their nature, part of human nature, when they came up to Jesus. But I think they were so bold. They had so much guts and chutzpah. A lot of people would have thought what they thought, but they actually asked Jesus, bold and outright, they said, hey, we want to be first. When all this is over, you know, when you win everything and you do the good stuff, we want to sit right next to you at your right and at your left at the banquet table in heaven. We want to be your number one and number two guys. Maybe they would arm wrestle for which one was which. And Jesus says, really the same thing that God said to Job. Guys, you don't get it. I don't operate like that. I don't do the winners and losers thing the beat-everybody thing. I see the world differently. For me, it's the people who give their life away who are the greatest. It's the people who care about whether the other guy wins. When I was working in Russia before the Soviet Union fell, I saw how it doesn't really work if you don't have competition in society. That, that place was not working. Everybody was hungry. There were long lines. 
But I encountered a priest there who really changed my life. And I tell his story about every 10 years or so because I have to. It, it formed me so thoroughly. I was wor worshiping and researching the Eastern Orthodox Church and it took me a long time to find a priest who would even talk to me because I'm a woman. But there was this priest named Father Boris. His church was located in inner city Moscow. It was behind a lot of big trees. You couldn't really see it, so people could go in rather safely in the side door. You know, you could be taxed heavily. Your children could be thrown out of school if you were found going to church. The floors were very worn. In fact, sometimes they were just concave. And there was paint peeling off the walls. The icons were in need of repair. But after service, he would take me into this side room and I could ask him questions and he would answer them about what things meant. There was an elderly woman whose head was always covered, who was always lighting the candles and cleaning up. She would often try to come into the room and stand in the corner. Father Boris would say, what are you doing here? She'd say, I just want to listen, pretend I'm not here. I learned a lot. I was grateful. And even though I was in college, I had some cash. There was nothing to buy. And I wanted to give Father Boris something. So the day before I was to fly back, I gave him an envelope with $100 in cash, which doesn't sound like much, but to me, at the time, it seemed like a lot. And it was the equivalent of 33,000 rubles. So I had all these plans for the repairs he could do on the floor, the paint that needed to be put on the walls. He looked at me and said, Thanks, Katya. Spasiba, Katya. Can you come back tomorrow before your flight leaves? I said, okay. My flight isn't until the afternoon, so yeah. Come early in the morning, he said. It's going to take a little while, but I want to show you something. I came, and Father Boris had two big shopping bags the next morning. We got into a van that was driven by a parishioner, and we drove to the outskirts of the city and through the gates of an orphanage. The van pulled to a stop, and Father Boris got out, and all the, all the kids, they swarmed around him. Father Boris, say a prayer for me. Here's something that I drew for you. And he would put his hand on their heads and pray for them. And I watched all that beauty and love. And then he pulls out those shopping bags. And he reaches in, pulls out a hundred Swiss chocolate bars. And he gives one to each child. And he says, these are from Katya. She's from America. And I was furious. This was the most irresponsible thing I had ever seen. What was this guy doing? He had all this work to do in his church and he was giving away chocolate? 
We got back in the van to drive back to the church, and Father Maurice saw a tomato stand on the side of the road. He said, hey, pull over, pull over. My wife will kill me if I don't get some tomatoes. And then for some reason, he takes off his pectoral cross that he wears all the time and hands it to me and says, here, Katya, hold this. And he gets out and starts buying some tomatoes. And I'm sitting there in this van, holding this cross, looking at it, thinking, I think I'm supposed to learn something here. What is this man trying to tell me? What am I not getting? You know, the person that wears this robe who stands behind the altar and tells the story of how Jesus gave his whole self away in the bread and the wine the night before he died, this person wears a robe that has no seam. It's like a circle with a hole in the middle because Jesus' robe had no seam and the soldiers couldn't divide it when he gave his life away. And the person that wears this robe and tells the story is called a celebrant because we are celebrating radically. We are handing out chocolate, but it's even better than chocolate. We are giving ourselves away. One of my favorite things I did when my boys were little was to coach four-year-old basketball. It was so much fun because they'd forget which direction they were going. One girl did a cartwheel in the middle of the basketball court. They'd start spacing out or picking their noses. And the parents would laugh. And there were no winners or losers because nobody even was going in the right direction. And at the end of the season, everybody got a trophy. Everybody won. Jesus says to us, you guys don't get it. Be like the little children. There are no winners or losers. What if you started wanting the other guy to win? Just give away all your chocolate and celebrate. My love is overwhelming. In my love, everyone wins. Amen.